Today, the message is called, It Ain't Too Late. Our life is made, I think the consumption of our life, the, the whole of our life is, is really put together by the decisions we make. Decision, uh, decisions are important. The choices you make are important, aren't they? Sometimes uh, they're, they're unimportant decisions that you just kind of make flippantly, but sometimes they're complicated. Sometimes it needs a little thought. And I wonder how many of us here today are still dealing with a consequence of a decision we made 10, 20 years ago. A lot of our decisions have consequences, and sometimes making the right one is sometimes the hardest thing to do. And today, what we're going to look at is a man I'm sure you're familiar with by the man named Moses. Moses. Moses was somebody who had to make a lot of decisions, but Moses was also the kind of man who didn't always make the right decision. And Moses, we're going to find out today, could have given up because he made some bad decisions. He, he, he had to run. He was hiding. He was disappointed and discouraged because he missed his shot. But today we're going to find out that even though you may have missed your shot, it ain't too late. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. And they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh, uh, the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians, assaying to do, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. We see a lot of these decisions that Moses had to make were made by faith. Sometimes it's hard to make a decision by faith because we're the kind of people we want to see the results first. We want to know what it's going to look like first. Let me know what it's going to look like, and then I'll, I'll take that and make that decision. But that's not what faith is. Faith is stepping into the unknown because you have greater faith in the one who knows what the next step looks like than if you were to see it yourself. So today we're going to talk about the reality that it ain't too late. Let's pray. My Father, we love you. We thank you so much for the worship we've had. We thank you to be able to come together and, and Lord, just to be encouraged by your word. Lord, I'm praying right now that you would use me this morning, that you would fill me. God, I just want to be poured into so you can use me to be poured out. And Lord, I pray right now that you would not let me hinder your spirit. If there's anything you want to say, Lord, that I would get out the way. And Lord, I pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Have you ever made a decision before, and at the time you made the decision, you thought, this is a good idea, and then you did it and realized, I was wrong. As a kid, as a kid, we're very impulsive. We do things that don't make sense sometimes, because at the time, it sounds like a good idea. See, we, we haven't had the education of life yet to realize there's some consequences for some impulsive decisions uh, I, I saw this video, and I think it really sums up what life looks like 
when you think you're making a good decision, but you really are not. So I just want you all to look at this video real quick of this young boy who thinks he has an ability that he really doesn't have. Yeah, I don't think you should never do that again. I thought you were going to walk down the top steps. That was crazy. Don't let that cake boost your head up no more. Did you hurt yourself? Yeah? Little man put on a cape and he says, you know what? I think I can fly. Dad thought he was going to walk down the steps. Little boy says, no, I'm going to fly down the steps. <laughs> he got to the bottom. And that's how many of us do. We think we're going to do something the right way. We hit our, we, man, we face plant hard. And Daddy was there saying, don't let that cape boost your head up too much <laughs> anymore. Don't do that again. Decisions. I wonder how many of us are thinking, you know, because of mistakes I have made, I don't know if God can use me anymore. I, at one time, I thought I had a calling on my life. At one time, I thought I had a purpose in my life. But, man, I've made some bad decisions, and I don't know if God still has that purpose and that calling on my life. What I want today to be is an encouragement to you to help you understand that no matter the, the situation you find you're in, yourself in currently, no matter what consequences you are going through right now, no matter what decisions you have made in your past, God still has a purpose and a plan that He wants to do with you. We just read about Moses and all these faith decisions that he had to make. And we're going to get right into your notes. If you have your notes, I want you to see in verse 23 that faith chooses God's plan. Faith chooses God's plan. It says, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Moses' faith that was spoken about through all these verses, that he, by faith he, 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 didn't, he wasn't afraid of the king. By faith he did the Passover. By faith he crossed the Red Sea. By faith, you know where this faith began? In his parents. In his parents. In verse 23 it says, By faith Moses, Moses when he was born was hid by his parents because he saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. This faith that Moses had was passed down to him from his parents. Listen, parents, in here, I don't care if your child is 3 or 33, your kids need to see your faith. They need to see your faith. The context, and listen to me, the context of Moses' parents' faith, it didn't show up in the church house. It wasn't when they're together singing hymns. It wasn't together while they were serving on a mission trip. No, the context of Moses' parents' faith showed up in a culture and in a land where everything was against their faith. They made a decision in spite of being in a place where everything was against their faith. They said, you know what? We're not giving in. The king's commandment at that time was to kill all of the Hebrew children, all the babies. But it says Moses' parents saw that Moses was a proper child. He was a beautiful baby. It's really what that comes out to. He was a beautiful baby, and they decided we are not going to bow down to this king. We know God has a purpose for this baby. And so the question I have is what made this baby so beautiful that they said, man, God has got a plan for this baby. Because let's be honest, everybody thinks their baby is the most beautiful baby. All right, what's Pastor Malcolm say? Every black bird thinks their bird's the blackest, right? Yes. Everybody thinks their baby's the most beautiful baby in the world. On the flip side of that, have you ever seen an ugly baby? Yes. 
Oh, let's be honest. There's some ugly babies. I ain't going to lie. There, <laughs> there have been some ugly babies. Not at Temple. We have beautiful babies here at Temple. We have gorgeous babies. But I've seen some ugly babies, and you don't know what to say. You're like, boy, he sure does have some strong features. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Boy, those, I bet he can hear good. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Sorry, that's a tangent. Um, sorry. But something about Moses, they looked at this baby and they said, there's something special about this baby. And, and, and I, I want you to see this in Acts chapter 7, verse 20. In Acts chapter 7, verse 20, it's in your handouts, we'll have it on the screen. But it says, in which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nourished up in his father's house three months. That phrase, exceeding fair, we lose a little bit in translation from the Greek to the English, but that phrase, exceeding fair, I think it's in your handout as well. It's, 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 it's basically two words, astios to dios. Astios means beautiful, to means to, and dios means God. He was beautiful to God. Now, this is what gives it context now. It's because what they did when they had that little baby in their arms, they looked at this baby, and because they were a faith-filled family, they were able to look at little baby Moses and say, God has something special in plan for this baby. God, he, he, was, he was lovely in, God, in God's sight. He, 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 in God's perception of this child, there was something unique and special. And so they, by faith, And a faith-filled family decided we're not going to give in to what the king says. We're going to obey what we believe God is wanting to do. And so they decided, in spite of how bad this culture is, because I've heard this said before, I don't want to bring up a baby in this world. It's just too bad out there. But listen, in spite of how bad the culture was, in spite of everything that was against it, because they were living in a land of abortion, a land of infanticide, a land of, of secularism, And they said, in spite of how bad that is, God has got a purpose for this pregnancy. God has got a purpose for this baby. And we're going to follow through in faith. And so Moses was born into a faith environment. In fact, think about this. He was only three months old when his mama had to kiss him goodbye. Now, I don't know how many of you in here have ever ever had to kiss your baby goodbye at three months old. But I imagine that's tough. What made it possible for them to do that is they had faith see here's the thing though every mama and daddy is going to have to kiss their baby goodbye sometime or another usually it's after graduation usually it's when they go off to college you got to kiss them goodbye and that is why parents listen to me this is why it's so important that you brand them with the faith as soon as possible That you instill in them the desire to follow God, no matter what the culture says, as soon as possible. It was at a very early age that they began to instill in Moses, even though he was only three months old, they already believed that God had a purpose and a plan. I want you to know, I don't care how little your baby is, God has got a purpose for that little baby. And when you look at that little baby, I want you to see God's purpose. And so at a very young age, his parents were already instilling in him that you have a purpose. But at three months old, they kissed little baby Moses goodbye and they put him in a basket and sent him down the Nile River. And guess who found little baby Moses? It was Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter was down there bathing in the Nile River and all of a sudden this little basket comes up into the weeds. 
And she goes over there and sees. It says that she saw it was a Hebrew child. Now, why did she know? How could she know just by looking at this baby it was a Hebrew child? Well, because by custom, every Hebrew boy had to be circumcised on the eighth day. And so when she saw this little little three-pound baby boy, she looked and immediately she says, He's a Hebrew. Now, what is the circumcision? A circumcision was a a covenant with God that says, I am with you, God. I'm under your covenant. I'm under your rule. And so from a very early age, this circumcision had a point, and they were already branding him with the faith that he needed. So little Moses is going down the river, and Moses' sister Miriam is following close behind. She's watching to see what's going to happen next. And there she goes. She follows it all the way up as to the basket gets to the Pharaoh's daughter. And she sees it, picks it up, and she's going to take Moses home. But she stops her. Miriam runs up and says, whoa, whoa, aren't you going to need a nursemaid? Because you're not able to nurse this child. Don't you need a nursemaid? She's like, actually, yeah. She said, hold on. And she ran back to Mama. She says, Mama, guess what? Pharaoh's daughter just picked up Moses. And she needs a nursemaid. I think you should apply for the job. And so mama goes and applies for the job, and and Pharaoh's daughter says, you're hired. Now Moses' mama gets to raise Moses and gets paid for it. I'm telling you, you never know what God can do until you trust him, step out on faith, and make that decision that says, you know what, God, things are bad right now, but I believe you've got a bigger plan. It don't make sense to put a baby in a basket, but I believe you've got a plan for it, so I'm trusting you. And next thing you know, she's a hired mama, raising her own baby in the courts and the kings of, of Pharaoh in Egypt. So faith... Chooses God's plan. Secondly, faith chooses God's priorities. Faith chooses God's priorities. Hebrews eleven twenty four through 26. It says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. See, Christian living involves making right decisions. You can gauge the maturity of a Christian based on the decisions he or she is making. Since the beginning of time, God has given mankind the ability to make their own choice. Think about the very beginning in Adam. He had two options. Tree of life, tree of knowledge of good and evil. He says you can make the choice. Obviously, we know what happened. He made the wrong choice. He made the wrong choice. And since then, there's been a ripple effect, a chain of events that's happened ever since that bad decision that has currently went and affected all other people since then. We see at the very beginning, God has given people the option to make choices. When God spoke to Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 30, in verse 19, in Deuteronomy 30, 19, he says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live. He says, I'm giving you an option, life or death. Which one do you want to do? You make the decision. You choose. At Shechem, Joshua charged the people of Israel again. In Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, he says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which were your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, Are the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He says, you got a choice. 
Which gods do you want to serve? On Mount Carmel, Elijah asked the fence-riding Israelites, which ones are you going to serve? Are you going to serve Baal or are you going to serve God? Abel chose the proper sacrifice and gave God what he was asking. His brother Cain chose a lesser sacrifice and God rejected that sacrifice. We see it time and time again. Enoch walked with God. Matter of fact, he walked so closely to God that there was a day where God says, Enoch, listen, you're closer to my house than you are to yours. How about I just go ahead and take you home with me? And then Noah, his family chose to worship God in a land and a culture that was so against God, but yet because of his choice to serve God and have faith in God, God preserved Noah's family through the flood. We see that Abraham chose God's way even though it didn't make sense, even though he couldn't see it all the way. Abraham made a choice. Listen, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph made choices by faith that gave them a a great faith that conquered death. Your choices matter. Right choices are made on the basis of right faith. But it says, by faith, Moses, when he come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses is an adult. Moses is 40 years old right now. 40 years old. When many of us are thinking, man, i got to get my retirement stuff getting together. i got to retire here in the next 10, 15 years. I'm, I'm hoping things will come together. Moses at 40 is just now making a decision on what he's going to do next. But why did it make Why did it take 40 years for him to get to a place where he finally decided to choose God? Well, I think it's because he's torn between two worlds. Because remember, who's raising him? He's got his mother there. And I believe his mother got Moses. And she's raising him and she's saying, Moses, you belong to God. Moses, you're a Hebrew. You're not an Egyptian. Moses... You're the offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses, God has got a plan for your life. And on the other hand, he has Pharaoh's daughter, who is his other mama. And she's saying, Moses, you're going to be the next big thing in Egypt. Moses, you'll have everything you ever want. You'll have power, you'll have wealth, you'll have fame, you'll have land, you'll have anything and everything. That's what I have in store for you, Moses. And so for 40 years, Moses is being told two different directions from two different places, from two different mamas. And it took him 40 years to finally get to a place where he made a decision. And that decision was, I am not going to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused. He made a deliberate choice. And in verse 25 of Hebrews 11... It says, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Again, you see that word choosing. He made a choice. Faith requires a choice. Many of us have struggled making that choice because we're still dancing between two realities. We like what's happening over here in Egypt and over here if we choose God. There's a lot of unknowns and we don't know what we want to do yet. And so we're still dancing between two realities. And I want to let you know, you've got to make a choice. Are you going to stay in Egypt or are you going to follow God? Moses tells us two things about sin right here in verse 25 as well. He says, sin, the pleasures of sin. So number one, he's telling us sin is fun. Now, if you don't think sin is fun, it's because you ain't been doing it right. Right. (laughs) All right? Let's be honest. Sin is fun. There's some pleasure to sin. But he also says it's a season. In other words, it's a time where the fun runs out. There's a, there's a time where all of a sudden it's not as enjoyable as it used to be. So he says, am I going to choose God or the pleasures of sin for a season? 
And in verse 26, he says, Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. The word esteeming here means he thought on it. He considered the cost. He weighed the pros and the cons. Moses had everything he ever could want. He had money, material possessions. He had, he, had, he had power. Everything the world holds dear, Moses had. And he says, okay, I have this. And then he looks over here at what it would look like to step out on faith with God. And he's weighing the pros and the cons. And then so all of a sudden he makes his choice. And he steps out on faith. And at age 40, he says, I have now decided... I'm not going to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I'm choosing my Hebrew heritage. I'm stepping out on faith. I'm going to choose to be with the people of God. No matter what the repercussions are, I'm making my choice. So why, why make that decision? Why make that decision, right? He had everything. He knows there's going to be consequences. He knows there's going to be repercussions. There's persecution and and scorn that comes with stepping out and taking steps with with God. Why would he even make that choice when he has it all in Egypt? I mean, why do it? There's a motivation here. There has to be a motivation here. And Moses calls it a reward. He He discovered that his payoff with Christ was better than the payoff with this world. He says, anything I can get from God is going to be way more than I can get from Egypt. And, and, and what do you get a reward for? You get a reward for doing a good job. If you have perfect attendance in school, you get an award. If you do a good job at your work, you get a promotion or a raise. You do good at a basketball game or baseball game, you get a reward. You get a trophy. You get a, you get a medal. You get a reward for your performance. Moses believed that the worst that he could endure for Christ was still better than anything he could have in this world. He says, my reward's going to be so great. So that brings up the question, well, what was the reward? Because Moses is saying, man, if I do this thing right, starting full-time at 40 years old, if I do this thing right, stepping out on faith full-time for God at 40 years old, I can, I can end up richer than if I just settle for what I have here in Egypt. If I do this right, so what was the reward? Some of y'all might be saying, heaven, heaven was the reward. Certainly, certainly heaven is the reward for God's children. Absolutely. But I don't think that was the reward. This whole time, who is raising him? His mama. Who's whispering in his ear? His mama. And I believe she was telling him the history of his people. How God made a covenant with Abraham that through him all nations would be blessed and that there was a promised land that he was going to give them. And I believe she's saying, guess what, little Moses? The reason why you've received this this Egyptian education, the reason why you have received the Egyptian insight is because I believe that he's going to use you to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. I believe he's going to take that covenant that he gave to Abraham and he's going to pass it on down to you, Moses, and God's going to use you in a significant way. And I believe Moses believed it. How do I know that? Well, look at Acts chapter 7, verse 25. Acts chapter 7, verse 25. He says, For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. So in other words, Moses was taking some steps that he thought God wanted him to do. He says, everybody knows I'm supposed to be delivering Israel out of Egypt. Everybody knows this. And it turns out everybody didn't know that. Only Moses 
believed that he was supposed to be doing that. Everybody else didn't agree with him. But something in him made him believe that he was supposed to be the deliverer of Israel. And so when Moses' mother was telling him the plan for his life, that he has transferred Abraham's covenant onto him, she's saying, don't settle for Egypt. Don't settle for Egypt. God is something bigger for you. Do you know you can fall so in love with the world that you can miss out on what God has for you? You can fall so in love with material possessions, with money, with with cars and with houses that you can die and have a rich life and a wasted life at the same time. I'm telling you right now, there is nothing wrong with having money. There's nothing wrong with having a nice car and a nice house. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you had to compromise on your faith to get it, if you had to compromise on God to get it, that's a problem. And so we need to learn not to settle for the things in Egypt because I believe God has a bigger plan for your life. And some of us are afraid to step out on that plan because we don't like the way it looks or because we don't know what the next step looks like. And so we're hesitant to take that step. So number three, faith chooses God's presence. So he makes a decision. I'm going to follow God. At 40 years old, I'm going all in. And in verse 27 of Hebrews 11... It says, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now, why is the king angry? It says, not fearing the wrath of the king. What made the king angry? Well, for that, we've got to go to Exodus. So go to Exodus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. It says, and it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew, beating on a Hebrew. One of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way. And when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. So Moses is thinking, all right, I'm supposed to be delivering Israel. So I'm about to deliver one right now. All right, that's, that was his plan. I don't know his strategy. I don't know why he thought that was going to work. Because you got to realize, I mean, he's a son of Pharaoh's daughter. He could have just stood there and said, stop. And they would have stopped fighting. I mean, he's that powerful of a man. He could have just said stop, and they would have stopped. I think he's trying to make a point here. He's like, I'm supposed to be delivering Israel. I'm going to deliver this dude right now. And he killed that Egyptian, buried him in the sand. Now, he did what a lot of us try to do. He tried to use human understanding to accomplish a divine goal. He assumed that this was God's plan. He assumed that he was doing God's will. And when you assume... You make a mistake. He could have stopped the fight, but he didn't. And it says in verse 12 of Exodus 2 that he looked this way and he looked that way. Have you ever done anything in your life where before you did it, you looked this way and you looked that way to see if anybody's looking? What does that usually indicate? You ought not be doing it, right? If you have to look to see if anybody's around... That's usually an indication you probably shouldn't be doing what you're about to do. And Moses looked this way, and he looked that way. He killed the Egyptian. He buried him in the sand. And he's thinking, I am a hero. I, at 40 years old, I said, I'm all in. I'm choosing God's will. And at 40 years old, I killed my first Egyptian. Boy, I'm, do, I'm a hero. I'm doing this thing right. And the very next day, he gets up, and he goes outside, and he sees two Hebrews fighting. And so now he's like, hey, 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 guys, quick, 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 quick. Okay, hey, hey, can we we all just get along here, guys? (laughs) And in Exodus chapter 2, verse 14, it says, One of the Hebrew men said unto him, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou kills the Egyptian? 
And Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. Now, now we know Moses looked both ways to see if anybody was watching, right? So one or two things happened here. Number one, somebody was there he didn't see. Or number two, the guy he delivered went and told all his friends, you're not going to believe what just happened. Moses came in a rage and just killed this Egyptian. And so Moses has got a problem. He's committed murder in Egypt, and his own Hebrew people aren't receiving him. He ain't got nowhere to go. Now, he thought he was doing God's will. He thought he was stepping out on faith. And in two days, everything changes. Day one, he kills an Egyptian. Day two, he's rejected by the Hebrews. And in two days, Moses went from the White House to the outhouse. In two days. Forty years of his life being raised in Egypt out the window. He thought he was supposed to be the deliverer of the Israelites, but out the window. So on one hand, he refused what Egypt had to offer. But on the other hand, he assumed what God's will was. Listen, never assume what God's will is. You better know what God's will is. Sometimes we get so excited to do something for God, we look for anything to be a sign. God, if you want me to do this, give me a sign. And you pull it at Walmart, and you got the front parking spot at Walmart, and you're like, there's my sign. <laughs> Listen, if you're looking for a sign, anything can be a sign. Okay, you better not assume this is what God wants. You better know this is what God wants. Because you can make a bad decision with good intentions. And the whole reason Moses acted impulsively is because he thought he was doing the will of God. But in spite of murdering this Egyptian man... In spite of his life being at stake, he continued to have faith in God and believe that there was a purpose for him. And Hebrews eleven twenty seven, Hebrews eleven twenty seven, it says, By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured. That, that word right there is important. He endured as seeing him who is invisible. He endured. He saw what he thought was a plan for God to use him, and he missed it. This was a hinge point for Moses, though. Because how many times we miss our shot that we give up? We give up on God, we give up on faith, we go bury our head in the sand. Man, we, we act like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. We, man, it was all for nothing. You know, like, we just give up. Give up. We just, we quit. But Moses says he endured. In spite of messing up, in spite of, of doing the wrong thing, he endured. So letter A in your, in your handout, you can't outrun God's presence. You can't outrun his presence. So I, I want you to look at the timeline. Okay, so Moses was built up and established for 40 years. And then in two days, it all goes to pot. In 40 years, it will be another 40 years that Moses will finally step into what God has called him to do in the beginning. There was a season of life that he had to endure from the moment where he chose to do God's will and then when God's will was revealed to him. It, he was 40 years old when he says, I'm doing this thing full time. And then he killed the Egyptian, made a mistake, made a bad decision. And then for 40 years, he went into the wilderness and hid. He was 80 years old. When God finally revealed his plan to him, 40 years, some of us like to microwave God's blessings. Some of us like to microwave God's plan. Man, we want it now. 
Give it to me now. Moses had to endure 40 years before God said, okay, here's what I want you to do. He's 80 years old. You would think at 80 years old, he's thinking, well, God's done with me. Nothing is going to change for me. My tomorrows will be like my todays and my yesterdays. Nothing's getting better. I mean, he went from being one of the ruling authorities to Egypt to now he's a shepherd. A dirty, smelly shepherd. And it, listen, he, he's so poor, it ain't even his sheep. He's watching over his father-in-law's sheep. He, he went from this to this. And for 40 years, there had been no progress while he's been running and hiding. Is there anyone in here, I wonder, who's thought that way, that my life isn't going to get any better because of what I did, because of how I did it, because I missed my shot? Man, I'm just living in the consequences of my decisions right now. Things will just always be this way. I want you to know that something extraordinary happened to Moses at the ripe age of 80. Look at Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert. He came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. In this moment, what is going to happen is God is going to change Moses' past and give him a brand new future. At 80 years old, God is going to do something remarkable in his life. For 40 years of Moses' life, he's been living in discouragement, and he's going to turn that grief and transform it into something extraordinary. I'm thankful that the Bible tells us in Joel chapter 2 that God is able to give unto you, to restore unto you the years that the locusts had eaten. I want you to understand that Moses, when you're in that kind of situation, when you're living in discouragement, when you think you have missed your shot, when God can never use you again. You don't need another seminar. You don't need another sermon. You don't need another conference. What you need is an encounter with God. And this is exactly what Moses got on the backside of the desert by Mount Horeb. Is God knew exactly what he needed. And so he made himself present to Moses and exposed himself to Moses. And in, Mo in Exodus chapter 3, 40 years later, God decides, I'm going to use you. Moses still had consequences. Moses still lost 40 productive years of his life. But the point is, even though God can't give you back the time that you've wasted, he can give you back the value of those years. He couldn't give Moses 40 years that he wasted, but he could give you the value of those years. And so we see that Moses, even though he was running, even though he was hiding, even though he was discouraged, he couldn't outrun his presence. God's presence was there. Letter B, God's presence will invade your position. I want you to see where Moses was when he had this encounter with God. In verse 1, it says, He came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. Mount Horeb is also called Mount Sinai. Do you know what's significant about Mount Sinai? That is the mountain where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, is often called the mountain of God, or the mountain of God's presence. And so why is this significant? Because even though Moses was discouraged, even though Moses 
was feeling like I'm defeated. He was exactly where he needed to be, and that was at the presence of God. He was at the mountain where God's presence was. When we get our scourge, when we miss our shot, when we think all hope is gone, we need more than a seminar, a sermon, or a song. We need to get in God's presence. And this is exactly what Moses did. He went and found God's presence, and he just hung out there. He just hung out there. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 2, it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush is not burnt. He says, okay, this bush is on fire. But the leaves aren't burning. The branches aren't falling apart. I need to check this out. See, theologians call this Shekinah glory. Shekinah glory. This is where God, God's invisible because he's a spirit. But when he wants to make himself known, he'll show up in a tangible, real way. And this was a moment where God showed up so Moses could see him. And this this is a Shekinah glory that is making himself visible And you might say, well, how do I know when God is showing up in my life? How do I know if it's really him? Well, in Moses' situation, there is a bush that is on fire, but it's not burning up. In other words, a bush on fire is not a big deal. Moses lived in the desert. Things are dry and it's hot. Things catch on fire a lot over there. But what was different about this situation is that the bush was on fire, but it wasn't being consumed. This was different. This was a different kind of fire. So how do you know when God is getting ready to show up in your situation? Because he will invade your normal with something abnormal. He will invade your ordinary with something extraordinary. He'll do something you ain't never seen before. He'll do something different. That's how you know God is showing up in your situation. It doesn't make sense that a bush is on fire but it's not being consumed. When God allows something in your life that makes absolutely no sense, don't try to spend time trying to figure it out. What you got to do is just get as close to it as you can so you can hear him speak through it. And that's what Moses did. He says, this don't make sense, but I think I'm going to get a little bit closer. I can't explain it, but I can't ignore it either. In verse 4 of chapter 3 of Exodus, he says, And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. Now, it wasn't until Moses stopped to look to see what God was doing It was after that moment that God chose to speak to Moses. There's a word for us in that. How many times have we ignored what God was doing in our life and had missed opportunities to have a conversation with him because he's doing something so different and so unusual in our life that we choose not to address it, we choose not to look at it, we choose not to even turn our head to it. It wasn't until Moses stopped and turned to see what God was doing, that all of a sudden, out of that time, he hears, he hears the first words God spoke to him, and the first words he heard was his own name, Moses, Moses. Think about this. When you've been going through some stuff, when you think you've wasted your life because of some bad choices, bad decisions, when you think you're too far gone for God to use what you need in that moment, you don't need another sermon that's given to the general congregation. What you need in that moment is to hear the voice of God for yourself. That's what Moses needed in that moment. And God was speaking his name. How precious would it be to hear God speak your name? Andrew, Andrew. Steve, Steve. Mary, Mary. How precious it would be for him to speak your name. When you hear a sermon, you hear a word from God. But 
Listen, when you are discouraged, you need to hear the voice of God. So see, God's presence will give you perspective. It will give you perspective. So he's having this experience. He's running from God. He thinks all is over with. And all of a sudden, he has this experience with God. He, God shows up in a real way. And now God is about to give him a little bit of perspective. He's given him some instructions. Look at Exodus chapter 3, verse 5. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. I think God is trying to help Moses with something here. He's trying to give Moses some perspective. If you read in the book of Genesis, you see that man was, cre- was created from the dust of the earth, right? So on our best day, you know what you and I are? Dignified dirt. On our best day, you and I ain't nothing but dignified dirt. And I believe what God was trying to help Moses understand was Moses... I'm God and you ain't. So take off your shoes and get connected to where you're from. Get your feet in the sand, Moses, because you ain't nothing but dust anyways. God, you, God, hey, listen, you understand, I'm God. Moses, I'm different. You come from that. Get your feet in the sand, Moses. Your shoes are making you too tall. Here's what I realize is sometimes before God will use us, he has to humble us first. When you think you've done things wrong, when you think you've got it all figured out, when you think that, hey, whatever, whatever situation you come up with, there's going to be a time where God invades your position, where God has to come into, your, in, into where you're at and then humble you first. He says, Moses, take off your shoes. Now look what happens next in verse 7 and 10. Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows and I come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good land and a large, unto a, a land flowing with milk and honey and unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore behold the city Behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Can you imagine Moses hearing this, God telling him, hey, I'm about to use you to bring my people out of Egypt? He's thinking, say what? I thought, I thought he was going to do this 40 years ago. Remember that time I said, I'm choosing you instead of being the son of Pharaoh's daughter? Remember when I killed that Egyptian man? I was doing that for you, God. I thought 40 years ago I was doing this. I'm 80. (laughs) I missed my shot, God. Don't you realize? You know what God's saying? Moses, it ain't too late. It ain't too late. God had been preparing Moses this whole time and he didn't even know it. The first 40 years of Moses' life, he's getting some uptown education. The next 40 years of Moses' life, he's getting some downtown education. Listen, the first 40 years, Moses is leading people. The next 40 years, Moses is leading sheep. And now God is coming on the scene. He's saying, Moses, you're about to lead my people, the sheep of Israel. And I'm going to have you take them out of that place you lived 40 years ago out of Egypt and I'm, t- I'm, at, I'm going to get you to bring him into the place you're living now, which is the wilderness. Moses, everything you've been through has been for a purpose. There has not been a wasted year. 
everything you have learned along this journey, I'm going to use it for my purpose. God, you, Moses, you might thought it was wasted, but I've been making an investment in you. Every second, every day, every year you have lived, I have been preparing you for this moment right now. And even though you think you've wasted your shot, even though, though you think you've messed up, I'm telling you, Moses, it ain't too late. Everything you've been through is for a purpose. Even in the consequences, isn't this so good? Even when the consequences of our decisions are so painful, God is so big and God is so great that he can hit a bullseye with a crooked arrow. God is so big and God is so great that your mess can't even mess him up. And that's what he's trying to help Moses understand. Moses, you think you've you've wasted your life? No. The reason why it's taken me so long to get back to you is because I've been doing some other things behind the scenes. This brings me to letter D. God's presence is operating in more than one place. In Exodus chapter 3, we just read about how the people of Israel cried out to God. If you read Exodus chapter 2, the last three or four verses of uh, of Exodus chapter 2, you find out that they called out to God and God heard their cry. They haven't called out to God in years. They have been enjoying Egypt way too much But now all of a sudden they got to a point where they begin to cry out to God. And so what I think God is trying to help Moses understand is, hey, while I've been working with you over here in the wilderness, I've also been over here working with Israel, trying to make them discontent about their situation. They're just now starting to cry out to me, Moses. They're wanting me to come and rescue them, Moses. And so while I've been working over here, I've also been working over here. And they're ready, Moses. So you're up. What is God doing? He's bringing a broken man to a broken nation. God is always working behind the scenes in ways we can't see it. He hasn't forgot about you. He's just getting things ready for you. He's just putting things together for you. When you thought you couldn't be used, God's saying, just hold on a second. Let me do some things over here first. All right, you're ready. Come on. It's not too late. Don't be satisfied with where you are. You've got to get into his presence in order to get on his program. And then after you get back with God and you get on God's program and God begins to use you, you'll have what we call a testimony of what God can do with a broken person. How God can use anybody for his purposes. Don't be satisfied in Egypt. And don't be satisfied with sheep either. What was the sheep? Sheep were the consequences of his decisions in Egypt. Sometimes we can get so content with just living in our consequences that we think there's nothing better for us. But Moses says, I'm not content with sheep either. And so the last question I have for you today, the last point I have is, what will you choose? Remember, we're all about choices. It's all about choices. What will you choose? In Hebrews, going back to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 28, It says, through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. This is recording the Passover, the event that would forever be remembered in Jewish customs, even up to this day right now. God said, I'm going to, this this is brutal, but this is what happened. As he was freeing Israel from Egypt, he says, God says, I'm going to kill every firstborn child in every household unless you take the blood of a lamb and sprinkle it on the doorpost of your home. You're going to take that blood and cover the doorpost of your home. That way, when the death angel comes through the town, he'll see the blood and he'll pass over you. 
And this, this is what we who have trusted in Christ as our Savior have done. We, we are going to heaven because when God looks at me and he looks at you, he's not going to see my problems, my bad decisions, and my mistakes. He's going to see the blood of Christ applied to my life. And I have made that decision years ago, and it's the best decision I have ever made. Listen, we have accepted the blood as Je- of Jesus as our sin bearer, and that has guaranteed me a passport to heaven. You know what a passport is? A passport gives you access to a different country. It gives you access to a place that maybe you've never been before. My passport is the blood of Jesus, and it should be your passport too. And if you do not have a passport like that, can I just say we're printing them for free today? Before you leave here, we can get you a passport. But the choice is yours. The choice is yours. You don't know what I've done. I don't care. God don't either. You don't know how long I've been faking it. I've been coming to church so long. Man, people believe I'm saved, but I know I'm not. Listen, that's a terrible reason not to get saved. So what have you been faking it? Man, we'll rejoice with you. You don't know what I've been through. That's okay. God don't care. The question today is, what will you choose? You think you've wasted your shot? You think you've messed up too much? You think that God can't use somebody like you? You think, man, 40 years ago things could have been different, but man, I've been living this way for the last 40 years. I can't be used by God. Listen, tell that to 80-year-old Moses. You think God can't use you? You think you got the one problem God can't fix? Humble yourself. Take off your shoes. God made you. You don't think God can use you? Listen, we have, we have manipulated our minds to believe that somehow we have disqualified ourselves from being used by God because of some idiotic decision we made years ago. I won't let you know, there's nothing too big that God can't handle, that God can use you in any way He chooses. All you have to do is get in His presence, get on His program, and realize He's got a plan for you, and it ain't too late. Amen. It ain't too late. Because you ain't nothing but dignified dirt. <laughs> and he's, con- he's in control and you're not. So what will you choose? What will you choose today? Will you humble yourself before God and say, God, forgive me where I have wasted my years, but I know you can give me back the value of those years, so I'm ready to go all in? Or maybe you're here today, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. It's something you keep, you keep kicking that ball down the road and say, I'll get to it. One day, I'm just not ready yet. Listen, don't do that. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. And if you want to trust Jesus Christ, your Savior today, I promise you, He'll take you just like you are. You ain't going to get yourself cleaned up. You don't have to get your life together first. He'll bring you in just like you are. He loves you that much.